If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I do want to read. If you want to turn over to the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and mark that for just a moment. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Mark that place and turn over to the book of Colossians chapter 1 for just a moment. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And then turn over to the book of Colossians, if you will. Chapter 1. And as you're turning to those two places, I remember not too terribly long ago when uh, that some of the local banks, and they still do this now, it's not like it's a, an old concept or new concept, but the idea is that if they can offer you a certain loan, more common, I guess you would say, for automobiles, but one of the ways they want you to have the, the best interest rate is is that they want you to deposit the money and they'll withdraw out of that account. So let's just kind of get something together for just a minute. If you've got an account to pay for something, and as we're talking about an automobile or a vehicle of some sort, what happens when they look for money that's not there? Then that means you've got a debt that you cannot pay out of. But the question is today, how do you get out of that debt is that there has to be a deposit or their money has to be imputed or put into that account. Now, we obviously don't care who puts the money in an account. As long as the money gets put in there, then we know that the debt is going to be covered. I'm telling you that this morning because I want you to understand who our, and our title this morning would be, a substitute. Who is our substitute? Or maybe we could even say, who takes on our debt for us? Substitute is for someone or something, but who takes on our debt? If we cannot pay it, then who does it for us or on our behalf? You substitute an ingredient for a recipe or you substitute for a person. What you're doing is you're filling in for that. If you've got a debt that we cannot get out of, then who is our substitute? Colossians chapter 1, let's read if we can. Skip down to about the 19th verse. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Now again, we're talking about the fullness of Christ and how that, 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 that we have a completeness in him. But let's go to the 20th verse. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. In other words, the atonement of Christ and what he did on the cross, the blood that he shed, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by himself, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And to you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in, by your mind, by wicked works, now... Hath he reconciled? In other words, people that are at odds with each other, people that are in a debt with each other, that's what happens when, when you borrow money from a bank, you're at somewhat of a peaceable odd with them. They have given you, but you've got to give them back. There's, there's a debt, there's an odd that is there. Well, let's keep reading the 21st verse. Sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now with you reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and unblameable. That means there's no debt. And unprovable in his sight. If ye continue 
in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And we're going to stop reading right there for just a moment. But I want you to take notice what he talks about in two different places there that we are to be reconciled. There's a difference. You don't owe the bank anymore or you don't have to pay anything else. And it's like it's, it's free and clear. It's a title that is free and clear. Now, we all want to get to that place. And I, I, obviously, for financial reasons, that's a good place to get to. But what about the debt we're in as human beings? If there were not a debt to be paid, then why does the scriptures talk about reconciliation? So we have to come to this assumption this morning that there is something that we need to be reconciled from. We have a debt. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for just a moment. If man is going to be reconciled, as we read to you there in Colossians, to God, how are we going to do that? Religion kind of gets close to that, but that's our humanistic way or our feeble efforts of trying to be righteous with God. Now, we may reach for something, but is there anybody ever been to the store and you tried to reach for something on the top shelf, but you were just too short to reach it? I believe religion sometimes can be this idea that we're reaching for something, and even though we may be getting close, we still cannot reach God without Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about some of this in just a little while. But folks, there's some good people out there. But even by their own merit and by the best of their abilities and the best of their works, they cannot be reconciled to God without Jesus Christ. Folks, we can never be reconciled or have that debt paid to God for the sinfulness of man without Jesus Christ. People can give religion. They can try to reach up towards God, but they can never obtain that on their own. He is a substitute. He is what does it for us. He is the person that pays that price to God for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's begin reading in the 18th verse. And all things are of God, who hath, and as the word says, be reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. We're going to get into this accounts in just a minute. But yet he has a debt that he is paying and it's not his debt, it's somebody else's debt. Now, I don't want to confuse the idea, but, but it's a very simple idea of you've got an account of a debt that you owe towards a bank, but somebody else is going to put it and pay it off because by yourself, you cannot do that. When it comes to sin, folks, we cannot. And I want to emphasize that, and I want you to know I am deeply convicted that we cannot, by any merit of our own, gain favor with God by our own works. We need Jesus in our life. 
We need him to reconcile us to God. For he said, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now when we start talking about this word reconciliation, it's a word that actually, when we talk about imputed, and we're going we're to talk about some of this in a little bit, that, that, that Christ imputed. In other words, he gave us something that we could not do by ourselves. We have a debt. We have a debt that we cannot repay. We have a debt that, that, that we are in trouble about. Matter of fact, if you want to turn back to the book of Philemon, which is right before the book of Hebrews. Philemon there, and skip down. We're going to get to about the 17th verse in just a second. Philemon had a slave that we're going to look at for just a minute, Onesimus. He stole from his master. He flees to Rome. And by the way, the punishment for stealing from your master was death. That's what should have happened to him. Onesimus had a debt that he had. He was a thief. He got in trouble. And notice what Paul's letter to Philemon said in the 17th verse. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him, Onesimus, a thief. Paul, I want you to think about this idea. Paul is trying to tell Philemon, he said, I know he's a thief. Onesimus is a thief, but why don't you just take him back in and do it because of me? Do you know why we can find favor with God? Not because of ourselves, but we find favor with God because of Jesus Christ. That's a, there's, a, there's a very understandable difference between that, folks. We are not saved because of us. And I believe Paul even said in Ephesians, for Christ Jesus' sake. He saves us. And when you go back and read in the Old Testament about how that, that, that David had uh, extended mercy unto Jonathan, or excuse me, to Mephibosheth because of, uh, of Jonathan, you see today, God is extending mercy to us today, not because of us and what we have done. God is extending mercy to us today because of Jesus Christ. Paul said, Philemon, Nicias, I know he has stole from you. I know he's fled from you. And I know that you have the right to take his life. But the 17th verse says, receive him as you would myself. Please look at the 18th verse. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee any naught. Put that on my account. I hope that you will process what Paul is saying. He said, I know he's a thief. I know he did wrong. He said, but if it, it allows you to reconcile you two together, he said, you take his debt, you put it on my account, and I will pay it. This morning, aren't you glad today that Jesus can look at every single one of us in the sin that we have in our life, whether it seems to be a little or a lot, and God can look upon us, and Jesus, I'd rather, can say, put that on my account. Let me pay the debt. Let me take care of that, because on your own, you cannot do it. On your own, you cannot get out of the sin you're in. On your own, you cannot climb out of the depth that we're in. But aren't you glad today that there's someone even greater than Paul that come along to you and to me and said, put that on my account. 
Put that on my account so that you can be reconciled to God. Put their debt on my account. For I'll tell you this, Jesus paid the price for mankind. He paid it for you and for me. But you know a lot of people's like, you know what? Thanks but no thanks. I've got this. I'm going to pay my own way out. I'm going to reconcile myself to God. I pray that we would understand it is impossible for us to reconcile ourselves to God. We need Jesus Aren't you glad that there's a substitute? There's one that instead of us having to pay the debt, he stepped aside and said, no, I'm going to pay your debt. I'm going to put that on my account. That belongs to me. You know, a lot of people, we get this idea that, well, if he's going to take care of it, let's just run the bill up. Folks, you're not going to get the bill any higher than the debt of sin. That's what it is. There's a debt that mankind has, and it's for the sinfulness that we're in. I remember a night many years ago that I can remember I remember seeking after the Lord. And it was just much like Paul did. He said, why don't you take that and put that on my account? He can't pay that debt by himself, but I can. Folks, today I believe that Jesus is able to, to get you out of the debt, the sin debt that you're in. No matter who you are, no matter when you may hear these very words. Today is God is able. You see today, if, if I was to go to somebody and I was to say, well, I can get you out today, but I got a financial trouble I may not help you in a year from now I can tell you this about God he is always able to pay the debt for the sinfulness of mankind it's not like he's limited or it's it's a short amount God is able to do that and here we see that Onesimus here he got to that point in that place in his life where he was in a debt he was a thief he began to run but God had mercy on him aren't you thankful for mercy today that God's able to bestow upon us and get us out of the debt we're in let me ask you does anybody here this morning that was in a debt and there was a time in your life when Jesus said put that on my account put that on my account let me take care of that and you know what he did what good would it be for you to let's just go back to a vehicle for you to have an account for a vehicle and all of a sudden you don't have enough money and then I try to say I'm going to take care of it and then, and then I don't have enough money we're all in trouble right aren't you glad today that what Jesus had is enough for every single one of us aren't you glad today to know that what Jesus gives for us that is enough to get us out of the debt we're in and Paul here said he hath in that 21st verse he said he hath made him to be sin for us God devised the plan of salvation for he said he hath made folks the plan of salvation is not something that we get to change we change stuff all the time. We come up with new rules and new guidelines and new methods and there's better ways for treatment than this and there's, there's now better ways to take care of that and we always come up with a better way. But folks, today I believe that if God designed something, there is no better way. And when God said, He hath made Him, God is the only being that could make it even possible for us to be reconciled to himself. The sin is between us and God. And Jesus is going to bridge that gap. For he said, for he hath made him, talking about Jesus, whereby there is no other name amongst heaven whereby we must be saved. There's no other way that we can be saved. No matter how good you are, no matter what you do, no matter how much we try to accomplish in this life, we cannot do it by ourselves. And notice what he said. He hath made him to be sin for us. There is only one path. There is only one way of salvation. And folks, that's in Christ Jesus. 
There's no other way. There's no other method. There's no other means by which we can be delivered. And we need Christ Jesus in our life. And the question would be to all of you that are here, to all that may hear today, do we have Jesus? He is the solution to all of our problems that we have. And he says, He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Do you believe that Jesus was sinless? I do, and I believe that. I believe he was tested just like you and I, but he was sinless. Now, there's a lot of, a lot of conversations about whether he could have or could not have, and we'll just kind of leave that where you want to leave at this morning. But what we need to know is, is that Jesus absolutely was tempted just like you and I. Now, there, there, again, the idea, could he not or could he, could he or could he not have? But the fact is, let's not forget, he definitely was tempted. He had the ability to sin because he had a nature about him. And the whole purpose was him to come and, 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 and to, be, to live the sinless life. And the whole purpose was that he might be a, a lamb without spot or blemish. Notice what he said. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. These tests that he went through were definitely real. The other night in a revival meeting, one of the very things that we talked about was how it's possible to please God. Is it possible for us to get out of the debt we're in? And I read a verse in John chapter 8. In verse 29, Jesus said this, And he that sent me is with me, and the Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Folks, when Jesus pays the debt for mankind, it's enough. Now, I want to say that one more time. When Jesus pays the debt for mankind, it is enough. If I owe you, if, 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 if I owe you $100, I'm not going to get out to that debt until I pay $100, not just $95 or $98. It's the complete $100. And it's today, a lot of people are trying to give back to God, and they can do good, and they can give to God. But the thing is, is that we cannot completely be able to be reconciled to God without the blood of Jesus. You can do good, you can live good, but you cannot be made whole without the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus said that I please the Father. And you know what? When Jesus pays your debt, I believe that you are free from debt. You are free from the sin that has that shackled us, that we have been set free. Aren't you glad today that he took on our accounts? Aren't you glad today that he did? He came for, for you and for me and he set us free. And he says he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. But he goes on to tell us there. That we might be made righteous of God in him. Notice the very words. Made him to be sin for us. He was our substitute. Our sin was put on Christ's account. Read that one more time. Made him to be sin for us. He took on our debt. We cannot get out of it ourselves. We can do good things. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, that unsaved people cannot do good deeds in this life. For I believe that they can. 
But their deeds are still not going to reconcile them to God. We have a substitute. We have one that's going to take on that debt. For he said here, made him to be sin for us. I don't know that anybody can ever justly say that God should have, or maybe I should even carefully say this, that it was fair that God had to send His only begotten Son to leave heaven to come down to this earth. But He did. Why did Jesus come? We talk about this over again, and we talk about it very frequently. He did a lot of good things. He performed a lot of good miracles. He transformed a lot of lives. He gave hope to the hopeless. He he did a lot of things. But you know today, folks, when Jesus came down to this earth, His number one reason was to take on the sin debt of mankind so that we might be free. We're, We're free today like a bird out of a cage, like a prisoner that's been set free today. We are free today from the debt of sin. It's ours, and it's been gone from us. He says... The, the, the verbiage says, He made him to be sin for us. But, preacher, what about God in sin? Can God look upon sin? We read in the scriptures in the Matthew in the 26th chapter. Excuse me, Matthew in the 27th chapter in the 46th verse. Talks about a time when the sun should be shining bright. Matthew 27 and in verse 46. The darkness had come and it says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I believe that Jesus died a death all alone so that you and I did not have to. There's just something about people dying alone that grips many of our hearts. It bothers us. We don't want people to die alone. I want you to know something. If, if anybody here and everybody here maybe that outlives me, if you hear about a time that I was in a room and I was all by myself and I died, I want you to know something. I will never die alone. I will always have Jesus. I always will have the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And aren't you glad today that Jesus died a death where God could not even look upon so that you and I did not have to? What would it be like to try to face a death without God? Jesus was our substitute. He took on that death and He even said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus today was was going through something because of you and for me. I wish the world would open their eyes and see today that He desires to be your substitute, to pay your debt, to take care of the things that you cannot take care of by yourself. And that's why Paul says that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. I often think, Lord, what do we give you versus what do you give us? We used to call it when I was a kid growing up. Man, you got ripped off. You know what that means? It means what you gave them is not comparable to what they gave you or vice versa. I gave them something of no value. They gave me something of great value, folks. When it comes to salvation, I assure you that we give God sin and He gives us righteousness. I understand the idea that we're sinners. I get that idea. But the truth is, once we're saved, we become saints. Our soul does not sin. 
I know our flesh has that capability, but our soul does not. Folks, we become a saint. We give him sin. We give him unrighteousness. We give him separated from God. And look what we get in return. We get reconciliation. We get our debt paid. We get our accounts taken care of. All because of Jesus. That he says that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Aren't you glad today to know that God is able to reconcile us to him? For let me turn back to the book of Isaiah for just a moment. Isaiah in the 64th chapter. Let me skip down about the 5th verse. Thou meanest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness... Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned in those in continuance, and we shall be saved. But we are all as an unclean thing. In our righteousness, notice what it's compared to. Our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all, even the best of them, folks, even the most humanitarian of people that's out there. For he says, And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Aren't you glad today to know this, what we give God versus what he gives us? We give him filthiness, he gives us cleanliness. We give him sin, he gives us righteousness. We give him debt... And he gives us debt free. He pays the price for you and for me. For I want to turn and I'm going to read this and I'm going to close in just a minute. Bear with me as we read Romans chapter 5 for just a moment. Let's read beginning in the very first verse. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says this. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because... The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. In other words, that debt is paid. All that pain and things that hurt that we had, he said, we're trading it by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in other words, look at the trade-off. We were without strength in due time. Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. I want you to kind of study that verse for just a minute. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. In other words, it's, it's kind of a rare. He says, but yet peradventure, but perhaps he said for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commandeth his love toward us in that. While we were yet sinners... If we know the outcome, we're willing to pay the price. He said, I did it for them when they were in sin. Christ died for us. Much more than, 
being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if we, when we were enemies, were reconciled, here comes that word again, we, we found favor with God, reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. The word atonement in that 11th verse means we have now received the reconciliation. The atonement. It's the required price that has to be paid for sin. Today, aren't you glad today that when we try to pay the price that God says, no, you need a substitute. He says you need something or someone else to pay your debt. Your works, your life, your ways are not good enough. He said, instead, I'll give you Jesus. Give me Jesus. That's all we need in our life. Just give me Jesus. So this morning, do you have a substitute in your life? Have you ever had the Holy Spirit of God come down upon you and say, put that on my account. I'll take care of that. If you have, you know what it's like to be saved. If you haven't, the sin debt that you're in today can be paid or has been paid by Jesus Christ. It just needs to be applied to your account of sin. He has it. He's willing to give it. But do you want it applied? I pray today that there's not a soul here that's not had that applied to them. God bless you this morning. These are the thoughts that I had upon my heart. I want us to get a song if we could.